By the way, in case you haven't heard, my brand new book, Feel Good Productivity, is now out. It is available everywhere books are sold, and it's actually hit the New York Times and also the Sunday Times bestseller list. So thank you to everyone who's already got a copy of the book. If you've read the book already, I would love a review on Amazon. And if you haven't yet checked it out, you may like to check it out. It's available in physical format and also ebook and also audiobook everywhere books are sold. Hey friends, how's it going? Welcome back to Deep Dive. What you're about to hear is an interview with Will Storr, who is the bestselling author of this book, The Status Game. And he's written a bunch of other books, including a book, Selfie, which is all about like selfie and social media culture and how we're obsessed with ourselves. But this new one is fantastic. It's called The Status Game. And it's one of my favorite topics. It's basically about all of the different ways in which practically all human behavior is ultimately motivated towards seeking and acquiring more social status. We talk about how status is a fundamental part of the human condition and how this has been a thing from like the dawn of time. We talk a little bit about the three different types of status games that we can play in everything that we do. And we talk a little bit about how the pursuit of status is often seen as a negative thing, but it can actually drive us to do bigger and better things with our lives. And we also talk about practical ways to increase one's social status if you're into that kind of thing by, you know, tactics like warmth and sincerity, which sound like tactics, but are actually just generally being a decent human being. So yeah, hope you enjoy the discussion. That, okay, let's talk about let's talk about the status game. Mm. How did you come become interested in the topic of the pursuit of social status? Well, so The Heretics and then Selfie and then The Science of Storytelling, those three books were all about that idea of the brain as a storyteller. Mm. They were all pursuing this one idea, which is the brain is, is this delusional machine, yeah. which, as I said before, remixes reality into this heroic story. We're in the middle of the world, the universe, everything revolves around us. We're amazing, you know. As long as we're psychologically healthy, we have all these, you know, crazy biases. Mm. So, I, you know, I started to think, okay, so if that's... Um, if that's what's really going on, if that's the kind of delusion we're in the middle of, if that's the kind of lie of the brain, what's the truth of the brain? Ooh. What's actually going on nice. kind of beneath the hood? And um, so, so this phrase that I read, um, I think it was a psychologist, I think Robert Hogan um, came up with this phrase. That I, I, I used it in the selfie and the science of storytelling that, 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 our, you know, that our secret subconscious drive is to get along and get ahead. And I thought that, I always love that because it feels, it's so simple to understand. Get along um, and get ahead, yeah. Uh, and the, the reason it's those things is because we're tribal. We're a tribal animal. We're, you know, we're, we're these apes that have mastered the art of um, um, cooperative living. Um, uh, you know, we, 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 are driven to, and, and, and so, so for those reasons, we have these very strong subconscious urges to get in together in groups of people who are, who are like-minded and, um, you know, pursue goals with them. Um, but also compete for status with other members of that group, but also those groups compete for status with rival groups. Yeah. And so that, that's tribal life. That's life in the tribe. You know, um, th that's why we, we organize the human life is organized like that because it was organized like that 20,000 years ago on the African Savannah. Uh, or, uh, and, uh, you know, I always find it's amazing that that's still human life today. You know, those groups are political groups, they're football teams, they're, um, you know, cults, they're religions, they're corporations. That, that we, 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 this is what we do. That's human social life. It's groupish and it's compete competition. And, and so, so, so the status game is, is really a book about that get along and get ahead. Mm. You know, that's what a game is. A game is you get along, you, you clump into a, game, a group of people that you're playing a game with yeah. and then you, you start competing. Yeah. How did the story kind of come together? Did you start off with the hypothesis that this is a thing and then find the stories and the examples and stuff to back it up? Or wait, was it more investigative? Like, what was, what was the approach there? Yeah, it was... So, so when I was researching selfie yeah. and selfie is about um, how the West, West in the West, we're very individualistic and, you know, self-obsessed 
um, relatively speaking, to the rest of the world. And and so, so it was looking at kind of selfie culture, that narcissistic selfie yeah. culture. That's which, a great title, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my, I can't take credit yeah, for I that. I remember seeing it, like, I think in 2017 or something. Yeah, that's when uh, it came out. Yeah, yeah and I was yeah. like, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, um, uh, yeah and um, and I, I, I interviewed this guy called Professor Bruce Hood, who's a very well-known psychologist down at the University of Bristol. And in my interview, he said to me, oh, you know, he said, why do we do the things that we do? Mm. So once we've got enough money to live and survive and we've got enough money for our families to survive, everything is just about validation. You didn't use the word status, you used the word validation. You know, that's why we write books. That's why we pursue, you know, that's why I'm a scientist. And, yeah. and when he said that, my immediate response was, oh, come on, that's so cynical. That's like, yeah. such a ridiculous thing to say. And then I just sort of thought about it for another like 30 seconds. And I just thought... <laughs> I think he's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's right. I really do think he's right. And that, that just really stayed with me. And then I just started researching it. So I started re, 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 do, you know, looking at the science of kind of status. But then what, the light bulb moment for me was really the game part of it. Mm. But because if you just say it's all about status, that's half the story. The other half is the connection. You know, once, you, once we've connected, it's that connecting with other people. So, so, so once I sort of started to realize that, um, that, um, I, I, one of the light bulb moments for me was was one of my ghostwriting clients actually, and he's a guy with a working class background who became very successful, and he's very very alpha male, mm. like you know powerful, um, uh, you know military background, like for middle class, lower middle class, like book geek like me, yeah. quite intimidating. <laughs> and um, you know when I first met him, it was at a meeting at a publishing company. I, I was a bit nervous to be with him because I felt like. As far as I, he's concerned, I'm this wimp, this little nerdy wimp, mm. you know, with my little cardigan on. But I kind of felt that he was a bit nervous to meet me. He was a bit yeah. uncomfortable meeting me. And that really made me sort of, oh, that's, why, what, what's going on there? And it was great because we were, he was really nice and I was expecting him to be a bit dismissive of me. But he yeah. was so nice, you know, and, and he was really enthusiastic to understand. And his whole thing with me was just like, mate, I don't know what you do, but just do what you do. Yeah. Just make this a great book. And, you know, he'd really trusted me. Yeah. And, um... And, and, and that was the big breakthrough for me because I, I, I realized that, that we have different ways of measuring status. Mm. Like his way of measuring status is with physical strength, banter, probably football, like talking about football, mm. so I don't know about that. Um, that. That's his criteria for claiming status. And that, that, that's what he's proud of, you know, his physicality. Yeah. Whereas my criteria for claiming status are things like books you've written mm. and getting nice reviews in the Times or, you know, yeah fucking paintings on the walls yeah. all those kinds of things <laughs> and um and that's when i suddenly realized it's it, it, we're not all competing with each other we're playing different status games yeah. so, so so when he came around my house to work on my book and he saw all the paintings on the walls and all the books on the shelves yeah. even with the fact of his incredibly masculine life he probably would have felt a little bit intimidated and a little mm. bit uncomfortable because he's in a, he's in a different world now, yeah. and and his criteria for claiming status suddenly doesn't count. Yeah, and he you know, um, and when I go into his world and and I'm meeting with his very very masculine, terrifying you know yeah. people, I'm like yeah. shit. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, everyone's really nice. So 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 yeah. it, you yeah. know, but 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 that, that was the breakthrough. Like we're, we're playing different status games, mm. and, and the thing to understand is that is that is that we're not all competing with each other. We're all playing little individual games, mm. and each of these games has kind of symbolic. Um, ways of claiming status. So if you think about Monopoly, the way you the, the way you symbolise status in Monopoly is those little plastic houses and hotels and the money, um, and, and and that's how we play status games. So his symbolic um, 
claims to state is, is his physicality, his history of extreme violence, um, you know, his success, his huge successes in that physical world. Yeah. Um, and probably he's very proud of playing, I don't know, if you can imagine football or whatever yeah. those things are. And mine are completely different. Um, but, but I, 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 and, it was a, and it was that understanding that really made me see the world in a different way yeah. to understand the status games that we all play and how, how, how they drive us and make us kind of different kinds of people. We're going to take a very quick break to introduce our sponsor, Brilliant. Brilliant is a fantastic online platform for learning maths, science, and computer science with interactive and engaging courses that I've been using for many years. But to be honest, I wish I'd had their lessons in maths to hand when I was preparing for my BMAT when applying to medical school. A lot of the time when we're taught maths at school, the focus is on empty memorization of formulas that we can apply in our exams. But the great thing about Brilliant is their courses teach you how to actually understand concepts from a first principles approach and develop the intuition to solve problems. Also, their computer science series is absolutely sick. They've got some fantastic courses on algorithms, on learning to program with Python. They've got a whole series about cryptocurrency and understanding exactly how things like Bitcoin work from the ground up, which is genuinely fascinating. So if you want to give their lessons in maths a try, or even science or computer science, then head over to brilliant.org forward slash deep dive. And the first 200 people to sign up via that link will get 20% off the annual subscription to the website. So thank you so much, Brilliant, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I, as I was listening to the audiobook, I found myself thinking that it is very hard to get away from the fact, from the idea that seeking status is bad. Mm. And that, you know, uh, similar to with the, the stuff they talk about in, in The Elephant in the Brain, you know, that, that quote from allegedly from JP Morgan that a man always has two reasons for doing something, the good reason and the real reason. <laughs> and if I think of like, what's my real reason for being a YouTuber, for doing this podcast, for wanting to write a book? It's like, if, if I've got to be honest with myself, it is broadly status motivated. And I'm like, shit, this, yeah. is, this is bad. Like, shouldn't I have a more like altruistic impact? And it's like, yeah, it's kind of nice. Like teaching people, it's, it's kind of fun talking to a camera. But, but really, if I was doing it, if I was like talking to people and then hitting delete rather than hitting publish, <laughs> suddenly that changes the equation. And so, okay, what's, what's going on there? Um, yeah, what, what, what do you think about that? That like, when, 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 I guess when we think or when we point out the status thing, it's all, it feels like a negative. It does feel like a negative. And, and that was the journey I went on because it isn't. I mean, it can be a negative. Yeah. There's lots of negative in the book about the, about the bad sides of the status game. But it's also what's made civilization. Mm. It's, what, it's what makes us good people. And, you know, the, the history of the status game, again, goes back to those tribes, the tribes in which we evolved. And so, you know, nature has to find a way of incentivizing us to be valuable people. Mm. You know, we, we, we humans can be very selfish and self-interested and delusional and you know, all those things. So how do you get these creatures that have a tendency towards selfishness to be selfless and to work for the benefit of the tribe? Well, you incentivize them with status and status is, is this reward. So, so, so what happened was, um, you know, we, we were playing status games with our reputation. We had a reputation in the tribe, you know, um, and you'd get a good reputation. You'd go up in the status game if you proved yourself to be valuable to the tribe. And there's two ways of being valuable to the tribe. You can be virtuous, so you can be generous, courageous in battle, yeah. a follower of rules and an enforcer of rules. Or you can be successful. So um, you can be valuable to the tribe by being a really great honey finder, a really great hunter, a really great storyteller, a really great sorcerer. Um, so, 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 so it's this reward that you get for being valuable, for being useful, for being kind mm. and generous. And, and so, so that was true 10,000 years ago. It's too, still true today. It's if you think about, like we're not, we're not used to uh, seeing people like Gandhi and, um, you know, um, Malala as yeah. superstars, as celebrities, but they are, you know, they, they are moral superstars. Mm. And that's good. It's good. That's, that's good. That, that's humanity at its best, I think, is when we, is when we see valuable people like, 
like Gandhi or like um, the people who invented the AstraZeneca vaccine, that, you know, um, and we make celebrities of them. Mm. We're, we're celebrating them as we're making them heroic. And so, you know, w without that, we wouldn't have civilization. We wouldn't have the moral world as we know it because, you know, you can feel it with, 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 with the moral status thing. When you do something good and kind, you feel it in your yeah. body. Feel great. You go, yeah. ooh, yeah. you feel up. You literally feel physically up, you know. Yeah. And when other people find out that you've done a nice thing, they go, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And, they, and, and that's an automatic response. And that's brilliant. It's, that, that's the best of the human animal. So, 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 so I do think it's, I, I completely agree with you that, that we are used to, we are conditioned to seeing status as this negative thing. And it can be a very negative thing, but it's also the very, very best of who we are as a, as a, as a species. It, you know, it, it, in, the, in the book, I talk about like things like the origin of the iPhone, for example, uh, you know, with Steve Jobs, um, uh, kept meeting this guy from Microsoft at these parties because his wife was friends with his wife. <laughs> and this guy would be, was, oh, we've solved computing. We're going to kill Apple. We've got this yeah. new touchscreen device with a stylus. Yeah. And um, Steve Jobs was just livid because mm. he was like, hey, you know, he didn't talk to me like that. It's Microsoft solved computing. And he came in and, and apparently there was a set of expletives and he said, right, we're going to show them how it's really done. And it's not a stylus, it's with your finger. Make the thing with the finger. Yeah. And they made it. And that was the iPhone and then became the iPad. It started off as the iPad. Yeah. So, 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 you know, that's a, a, a great example of somebody very, Steve Jobs, very interested in status and usually, you know, obsessed with status. Um, and, you know, the iPhone for good or for, for better or for worse has changed the world. And, and it began with, just somebody feeling belittled at a barbecue in yeah. in California. I guess if if we think of our own our own motivations, kind of on, on an on an individual level, the way the way I the way I kind of think of it is that there is always some kind of status game that I'm that I'm playing in basically everything I do, but there's nothing I can do about it, and so it's actually kind of fine. And so <laughs> yeah. similar to you know why 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 do I go to the gym? Well, I can pretend it's for health reasons, but but really <laughs> everyone knows yeah. what, the, what the real reason behind going to the gym is. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's not the end of the world. It's, no. you know, we don't need to have fully pure altruistic motives for the things we do to still actually be good. That's overall. right. It's like Men's Health isn't really a health magazine. Yeah. It's a sexy body magazine. It's an I want to look good naked magazine, you yeah. know, and that's, yeah, that, that, that's right. And, and um, th th yeah, yeah. Um, the, I think the health version of that wouldn't, I don't think it would sell very particularly yeah. <laughs> well. Um, um, yeah, you can't, you can't um, get away from it. Um, it. It's it's in your kind of body. It's in your brain. Yeah. You know, as, as soon as you're out um, in the world mixing with people, it's automatic. You're judging them. They're judging you. The game is on, mm. you know. So one thing that I th they talk about in the book is when status is taken away, that can often be like a really, really terrible thing. I yeah. wonder if you can kind of elaborate that on, a, on, on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so status is this kind of social nutrient. It's like it's an essential kind of thing that we need. We yeah. need to feel respected and valued by the people around us. And when we don't, we become unwell. Um, we become um, psychologically unwell. Um, we you know, become depressed, become stressed, become anxious. Um, uh, we also can become physically unwell uh, when we're kind of repeatedly, um, uh, you know, robbed of status. Um, at its most extreme, um, you know, in the book I write about humiliation, the state yeah. of humiliation. And humiliation is, we've all been there, it's, it's a horrific kind of experience. And, and humiliation is this, it's not just that you've been robbed of all your status within a group. 
you've been robbed of the ability to claim it ever again in the future. Mm. Like you're so, it's been, it's gone so wrong yeah. that people are like, leave. We don't yeah. want anything to do with you anymore. And you're kind of forbidden from the group. And that's, I mean, you know, th th that's a fearsome thing. It, 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 subconsciously, that, that, that's, that's the equivalent, you know, in the, back in the tribal days, if if we were if 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 we were if we were that lacking in status within the group, it would have been probably a death sentence. Either we were kicked out of the group, and that's a death sentence in itself, or we were executed. Execution, capital punishment, is thought to have once been a human universal. Mm. Um, so um, so so we really fear it, and, and you know we need as I say, we need status. It's it's this kind of fundamental, you know, psychological nutrient. And and I think when in the book I write about people who have been who are kind of humiliated again and again and again and again, and and these are the people that become very unwell and, and often extremely violent. You know, in the, there's a chapter in the book on mass murderers, uh, you know, serial killers, spree killers, terrorists, honor killers, um, uh, and um, humiliation is is deeply implicated in all of those mm. you know phenomena. Given that kind of if we if we accept that we're all sort of playing status games. Is there, is there anything that we can slash should do differently as we're going about our lives in keeping keeping that in the back of our minds? Yeah, I, I I think I think it's useful to be aware of that the, the game is you know when when the game is in in process. Yeah. It's often very easy to become irritated and frustrated by little slights that people might make to us, um, and. You know, anybody who's seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's all about a guy who is highly attuned to kind of status slights. Um, in, in the book, I write about this study where, about orange, glasses of orange juice. And this is the thing, if you, pile, if you pour lots of glasses of orange juice for people, but you get slightly less orange juice than everybody else, it's really, like, you get really upset about it, yeah. you know, and, it, and that's because it's not, it's not actually just a mouthful of orange juice you've been robbed of. Yeah. It's, it's, your brain has gone it's gone that's symbolic of your status so that's how insanely obsessed the brain is the subconscious brain is with our our relative status and we're all used to you know every day we probably have an experience where we feel a bit slighted and i think once you understand that that's just your brain being a completely obsessive <laughs> idiot yeah. about your status it's, it's, it's much easier to you don't stop feeling the feelings yeah but you can i think you can separate yourself from them much easier and just sort of almost like a buddhist look upon yourself and go oh that's my brain being stupid. Yeah. Um, but, but I think one of the big takeaways for me is, as well is, is that, is that I, I think we often forget that, um, you know, we have status to give. Like pre the prestige forms of status, virtue and success, those two forms of prestige. Mm. Um, we get them from other people. Other people voluntarily give them to us when we do good things. Yeah. And um, so we have status to give, like unlimited reserves of status to give other people. Yeah. And we're often quite bad at giving it. We're often quite jealously, kind of jealously mm. hoard our kind of stores of status and I, and I think no I think just life for ourselves it would be it gets much better when we're more generous with status yeah you know even for slightly selfish reason that people want to be around us more if we're yeah. giving out <laughs> if we're giving out that stuff as long as you're not um completely unauthentic about it I think yeah. there's a risk that you go it's like Hollywood and you know like the LA thing of, oh my god you look amazing yeah and nobody believes a word you're saying you know yeah. as long as it doesn't sort of lapse into that I, I I think understanding that great gift that you have yeah and that you can give it to people and really make their day so what does that look like in practice like, is it like laughing at someone's joke, even if it's borderline funny? And or, or what I, I do we, we? I don't think it's being. I don't think you have to be inauthentic about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think. I think there's always something nice you can find to say about somebody, and um, 
yeah and it's just saying it yeah you know like sometimes it can go wrong i was just as i the reason i stopped there is because i had a slightly uncomfortable um I, I was doing an interview to promote the status game with a, this woman and um on the radio she had a really beautiful speaking voice and after the um after the interview, I said, you've got such a beautiful speaking voice. Mm. And I think I made her a bit uncomfortable. I think she thought I was coming on to her. Oh. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> like, so sometimes you've got to be careful about that. Like, I really wasn't, you know, but like I was just trying to be nice. Yeah. But it's things like that. You know, there's always something nice. Something nice. I mean, I might, she might not have. I was worried that she thought that it came it came yeah. out badly. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so, so, so as long as um, as long as it doesn't come off as creepy or insincere, mm. uh, you know, I, I think that there's always this sort of gift that we can give other people. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you said in another podcast that you were on, I think on Jordan Hobbing's show, you, right. you, you, you said um, that the whole, you, you were talking about this whole idea of when people say, oh, I don't care what people think of me. Yeah. I wonder if we can like elaborate yeah. on that a little bit. What's, what's the deal with that? We are going to take a little quick break from the podcast to introduce the sponsor of this podcast, which is Curiosity Stream. If you haven't heard by now, Curiosity Streams is the world's leading documentary streaming subscription platform founded by John Hendricks, who's the founder of the Discovery Channel. And on Curiosity Stream, they've got hundreds of really high quality, high budget documentaries covering all sorts of things from science and technology to history and ancient civilizations to food and medicine and and meditation and like all of the stuff in between. Now, the really cool thing about Curiosity Stream is that they support independent creators. And so there is this service called Nebula, which you might have heard of. It's an independent streaming platform that's run by me and a bunch of other creators. And on Nebula, we can put content like videos and behind the scenes and long form, longer form stuff without worrying about things like the YouTube algorithm. And so for example, on Nebula, I have a bunch of exclusive content that you won't find anywhere else. We actually have the original season zero of the Deep Dive podcast, which started off as like remote Zoom live streams during the pandemic. And that is only available on Nebula, you won't find it anywhere else. So if you enjoy the sorts of conversations we have on Deep Dive, you might like to see, you know, a whole year before we started this podcast properly, once the pandemic stopped, what sort of conversations I was having with people on Zoom. I've also got a series of videos on Nebula called Workflow, which is where I deep dive into some of my favorite productivity tools. And on Nebula, you also get early ad-free access to my videos and videos from a bunch of other creators that you might be familiar with, like Thomas Frank and Tom Scott and Legal Eagle and Lindsay Ellis. And the really cool thing is that because CuriosityStream loves supporting independent creators, we've got a little bundle deal, which is that if you sign up for an account on CuriosityStream, you actually get free access to Nebula bundled with that. So if you head over to curiositystream.com forward slash deep dive, then for less than $15 a year, you can get full access to CuriosityStream's incredible library of documentaries and also free access to all of the stuff on Nebula bundled with that. So head over to curiositystream.com forward slash deep dive to get the bundle deal. So thank you, CuriosityStream, for sponsoring this episode. Well, it's not true. It's never true. You know, we're a social animal. We, we, we are wired, you know, to our core to care about what other people think of us. It's in the human machine. It's part of our human nature to care about what other people think of us. And, and, and I think, as I said before, it, it always makes me laugh when people say that because they always say it in a certain way. Oh, I don't care what other people think of me. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're, you're just, show, you're, you're, you know, that's just another way of claiming status. You're claiming that you're better than everybody else. Yeah. Like, you know, and, it, and, it, and it's so ironic because it's obviously very important to them mm. that other people think that they, they don't care yeah. what other people think about them. So it's just, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just never true. And I think if it is true, um, if it ever was true about somebody that, that, that that's going to be a person who is extremely badly socially adjusted and mm. will likely end up either in prison or in a yeah. <laughs> or in some sort of, in, some sort of institution. You know, no, like you, if you don't care what other people think about you, you're you, you, you're you're not going to be a, fun, a functional person. Yeah. So uh, there was an, an interesting chapter where you talked about sort of the uh, the sort of the the real life cues that we give off when we are higher status or lower status. And I wonder, like, often, you know, we did a survey for the podcast and people said that they like getting actionable tips that they can apply in their work life. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking that, like, 
Are there actionable tips that you can apply in your work life? For example, knowing knowing that the status game exists in every every relationship you're going to have at work. For example, yeah, I, I think I, I think so. I, I, you know, w- w- one of the things I think is really important is is in in the business context is to always have that understanding that you're you're never the hero in other people's stories. Mm. They're always the hero. They're always the one on this great pursuit of status, which their brain remixes as this kind of heroic you know, p- pursuit. Yeah. And, and so, so it's much better in the business context to come across as um, the kind of, the, the, like you're a helpful person in their story. Yeah. So, so there's a story scholar who I think was a really smart guy called Christopher Booker who wrote a book called The Seven Basic Plots. Mm, it's like a huge, like 2,000 word, 2,000 page thing, I think. It's like a huge um, kind of tome. But, but he, he writes about um, this archetypal figure in story called the light figure. And, 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 the, exa- and the light figure is like... Um, the light doesn't light yeah exactly okay. the light figure okay. and the light figures come into the story and they're like the ghosts in the christmas carol yeah their, their job is there to help scrooge become heroic to see the area you know. and, and so, so i think in the business context if you go in there boast boasting i'm amazing you want to work with me i'm fantastic mm. you're going to put people off because you're not the hero they're the hero yeah and so, so you're much better off being the light figure and, and your story is this is how i'm going to help you gain status i'm going to do these things to help you and uh, so that's the first thing and then the second thing is 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 about impression management so um you know there's lots of science has looked at looked at how do we how socially do we give a good impression to other to other people and f- for a long time they talked about two domains warmth and competence yeah. And more recently, it's been argued that there's a th- there should be a third domain added to that, which is morality. Okay. And when I was reading about this, it, it really struck me because in the book, I write about there's three status games. There's dominance, which is the aggressive, animalistic status game. There's virtue and there's success. And those three, they called them warmth, competence, and morality. But I, I called it warmth, competence, and, and sincerity. Okay. Map on perfectly to those three status games. Yep. So, so I, don't, I don't know, but I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I think that that... that, that, that that it's interesting that those map onto those um, three status games so well. And the logic is when you approach somebody with warmth, what you're subconsciously signaling to that person is that I'm not going to um, compete for status with dominance with you. I'm not going to threaten you. I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not mm. going to use physical violence against you. You know, so we're going to have a healthy, um, uh, non-aggressive status game. When you're signaling with sincerity, you're saying I'm going to play a good virtue game with you, which is I'm, I'm going to be, um, you know, morally respectable. It, and that's not mean I'm going to li- suck up to you. I'm not yeah. going to give you bullshit. I'm going to tell you the truth. And when I'm not happy, I'm going to tell you I'm not happy. Mm. So I'm going to be sincere. You know, I'm always going to be honest with you. And then finally, competence. If you if you come across as a competent person, you are you are signalling not only am I going to be useful to our, our, our not only am I going to be useful to our 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 group our game. But, you know, you also might learn some stuff from me. So there are, there are, there are things that I can do. And, it, and if you learn how to do them from me, you're also going to raise in status. Yeah. So I think if you, if you can, it's obviously easier said than done. But, but if, you can, if you can manifest in those three ways, warmth, sincerity and competence, yeah. it's very hard to know how you're going to fail in life. You know, and, you know, you can't just come across in those ways. You've got to actually live those ideals. You've got to be sincere. Mm. You've got to be non-aggressive yeah. and you've got to be competent. You've got to be good at your, you know, you've got to be good at the thing that you're doing. So, so, so yeah, that, 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 I think those are, that, that's kind of a practical nice. um, um, idea. Warmth, sincerity and confidence. Com- competence. Oh, competence. Yeah, yeah, competence. Yeah, it strikes me that, uh, have, you, have you seen Suits? 
No. Oh, so there's this, uh, it's this uh, lawyer show. And this is guy, yeah. Harvey Specter, um, who's like this big shot lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And the way he comes across to his clients is very warm, sincere and, and, and competent. Okay. The way he comes across to his, uh, his opposition is very like dominant Dominance, and like yes. full on alpha male, <laughs> like that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Do you think in non-work contexts, like in social contexts, the, I, it strikes me that maybe the competence matters less and it's actually about warmth and sincerity? Yeah, I, I think, you know, th there is always a, those two things going on, connection and status, getting along and getting ahead. Yeah. And, I, and I think when it comes to connection, belongingness, warmth and sincerity are obviously really important. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I was thinking connection more important. I mean, comp you know, um, you know, um, yeah, virtue, I guess, matters for, for, for status and for connection. Yeah. But 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 I think yes. But status. Um, but but um, competence is is very much a kind of status. Yeah. Yeah. You, you make you you're attracted to competent people because you're impressed by them, not because you you feel like you want to. Yeah. 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 I, re I remember I was I was reading Happy by Darren Brown. Um, he talks about stoicism and stuff. Um, and one of the lines that really st stuck with me from that book was that we think people are attracted or people we 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 sometimes think people are attracted to competence but in fact they're attracted to warmth uh, and like i i think definitely when i was younger i thought the way to make friends was to signal how competent i was at yeah. like a b and c and then over time <laughs> i actually realized that actually no, no one actually cares in a friends context yeah in a business networking type context yeah. fine but in a friends context actually warmth and sincerity is, is the yeah. way forward yeah i think that, i think that's true and I, yeah i think that's true but but i also think there's a I don't think I, I think you could like at school people yeah. people want to be friends with the best footballer you know so I, well, I, I yeah do, there I is do, that element you know I do <laughs> there, there is that stuff going on as well I don't I don't think it's true to say completely like that 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 we're not we don't want to be friends with competent oh, people because I don't yeah. I don't you know people people who are really able are very attractive people mm. like they, they 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 suck in people around them there's they, they, there's a there's a book called the secret of our success by Joseph Henrich which is really good writing about that about how attractive competences to, to, to other people. And, and, you know, I wonder if there's a gender difference there too. I, I, I don't know whether it's more of a kind of male thing. Mm. Uh, I don't know. You know. Oh, on, on that note, in your research, did you notice any gender differences in how the different genders compete for status? The, the, I, I tried to keep away from gender a little bit because it's so dangerous. It's a dangerous area to derive that. Yeah. But, but I, so I kept I, I kept it on not, not quite safe ground, but safe in terms of the of the research. Yeah. And and so so, so so the research on this is so solid. It's basically inarguable. Yeah. Like it's so well evidenced. And so so all over the world, um, uh, the, 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 there is a, a generalized, and it's important to say it's general. It's not every woman is different from every man in this way. It's just a generalization. Mm. But generally speaking. Um, there are differences in interests in the kind of games that we play. Okay. So women tend to be more interested in people mm. and men tend to be more interested in, interested in things. So if you got 100, you know, people, 50 women and 50 men together and said, step forward those who are interested in tractors, the chances are that more men than women would step forward. Mm. And, you know, what that means is that if you, in a tractor, if you've got a tractor factory, there's going to be more men than women working there and more men at the top of the hierarchy. Mm. And that's not going to be because of sexism. It's just going to be because of predictable differences in interest. So, so, so I thought that, so, 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 so that's, that, that's as far as I went with, with gender in the book because it's so well evidenced yeah. that. Like it's, it's so clear, yeah. that difference, and it's, it's so universal. The, the question is whether that's um, genetic 
whether it's actually in our genes mm. or, or whether it's socialization, but because it's universal, I'm, I'm dubious that it's completely socialization. Yeah. Like if, if it was socialization, cultures are so different around the world. You'd expect to see quite a lot of variety. Yeah. You'd expect to find this culture over here where it, where, where the, where, you know, the computer engineers are mostly women and mm. the, you know, yeah, you know, so, 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 you know, there, there was, there was, yeah. So, 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 so that, that is very well evidenced that. So, and, and, and I think that's, that, that's a mistake that's often made in the culture where you get certain industries that are male dominated mm. and some of the female like you know teaching nursing female dominated and 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 there's often a kind of patriarchy argument like an argument from conspiracy uh, overlaid on top of that mm. um and, and often it, it, that's not really what's going on it's just it's just a result of how yeah. generally speaking um, the injustice in that for me is that, that often those that those people centered industries they don't pay well compared to the things versus industries <laughs> and that's not that's the thing that's not fair yeah 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 but, but how you fix that who knows yeah yeah, yeah. While, while while we're on the topic did you did you come across any race differences in how the status game is played at all was that not race differences no 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 i'd be very skeptical if it's somebody who's argued that there are any race differences i think there are cultural differences oh okay yeah yeah so there are big cultural differences and yeah. so the, the, the 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 main one that the, 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 we know about academically is East versus West. Mm. So West, we're individualist. And so we see status pursuit more, it's much more about the individual. Um, it's about, you know, about me and my achievements. Yeah. And so, it's, so you know, we, we are kind of self-aggrandizing. Mm. Um, um, uh, you know, we're kind of relatively show-offy. Uh, whereas in the East, that's seen as very taboo. And the East is much more communitarian culture. Mm. It's Confucian versus Aristotelian in a way. And that Confucian communitarian culture is much more about the group. And so, 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 so status is much more about the group serving the group. And, and so how, how that, how that manifests in, in day-to-day -day life, there was a very interesting paper that I write about in the book, um, by, I think it was a Japanese anthropologist who writes about face, the concept of face. Ooh, yeah. And, um, and he said, it's fascinating. He said that, um, um, that in Japan, if an individual is picked out, one member of a group is picked out for individual praise, he, that seems extremely shameful mm. and embarrassing because because what you've done is you've made everybody else look look worse in the group. And so what what they'll do that person usually is they'll d d deliberately do a, a really terrible job at work, you know, for the next days or weeks yeah. in order to be the worst in the group to yeah. kind of re oh, rebalance yeah. the group, you know. So so that's completely the opposite in the West where it's like ah I'm the best, yeah. fuck you guys, yeah. you know. That, that's kind of the more the thing that we do. So so that's a huge cultural difference. And in, in you know I, I wrote about that in, in selfie Susan Cain also writes about this in her book quiet mm. and in the book she writes about how in in china shyness is seen as a leadership quality mm. which again is a completely different way uh, that, that we experience the status game in the west it's much yeah. more about confidence personal confidence here but you know whereas people with shyness are high status in china so 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 definitely so so no race differences but but certainly lots and lots of cultural differences um the whole status thing has clearly been around for a very long time mm. Um, but then you add the internet and you add social media onto this thing. Yeah. Um, what are the kind of impl implications in your... Well, game? social media is just one huge status game. If mm. you think about those three, those three games, um, dominance, virtue, and success, yeah. um, that's what social media is. It's like pe there's people doing dominance, you know, being aggressive to each other, yeah. uh, you know, bullying each other, doxing and cancelling and all that stuff. 
Um, there's virtue, people signaling, oh, I think this is, they're talking about politics, is all about virtue stuff. This is, this person's bad, this person's mm -hmm. good. This law is bad, this law is good. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, and there's also success games. Look at my amazing gym body. Look yeah. at my healthy breakfast. Look at my tan knees in the Maldives. You yeah. know, so so that and that that that's what that's what social media is. It's dominance, virtue, and success. And, and so you know, one of the things I also write about in selfies is this is this idea we have that you know th these are kind of inventions of Silicon Valley and they've kind of created these things which have like distorted the world and made us. Yeah. But I think I don't think that's how it, how it works. Um, you know, in selfie, I write about how the the selfie camera was invented as a business tool yeah. for, for doing, you know, conferences. And um, uh, it was called the front facing camera when it was launched. And then it was us, the people that decided to do selfies. Mm. And then the tech companies went, okay, if that's what you want to do with them. Then here's Instagram and here's, yeah. you know, here's, you know, yeah. So, 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 so and, you know, Twitter wasn't, Twitter, as we know, when it launched, it was a free SMS text message service, you know. So, 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 so what you've got are these technologies kind of working out by trial and instinct what people want and giving it to them. And what people want are status games. And that's what Twitter is. That's what Instagram is. That's what TikTok is. Um, and in the book, you know, I write about, you know, I call the, the, the social media a slot machine for, yeah. for status. And I think it's quite well known. Um, by people who are interested in, in, in sort of back, have a kind of behind the scenes interest in social media or that the BJ Fogg behavior model, which is that idea is this kind of evil genius who um, he, he wrote this book in 2003, predicting the iPhone, just extraordinary, mm. you know, writing about this young girl who has this device that's about the size of a pack of cards and a whole life's on it. And maybe like he basically foresaw the thing in 2003. It was unbelievable. Uh, not only did he foresee the iPhone or the smartphone, um, he... Um, he, 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 he came up with this, like, this model of how to make it basically not addictive, like a compulsive, mm. like to, 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 to make it so it was hard to put down. And, um, and what he wrote was that what you want to make is it's, you know, it gives rewards and, but the rewards are, are, um, uh, are unpredictable. Yeah. So like a slot machine, you pull the thing, you don't know what's going to happen. You're going to get the money. You're not going to get the money. And so when it, when it's unpredictable, you can't stop looking at it. Yeah. And, and so that's quite well known, but, but I think the missing piece for, for me is that is what are you gambling with mm -hmm. and what you're gambling with is status. That's exactly what you're gambling with. Whenever you make a contribution to social media, yeah. whether it's a comment on Twitter or a photo on Instagram or whatever, or something on LinkedIn about your new project. Yeah. You always want to refresh and be like, well, oh, how many likes have I got? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, how's it done? How's it yeah. done? And you can go up, you can go down, you know, and, and that's what's compulsive about it. So, 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 so yeah, that, that, that's that, that. And I think that's why social media is universally like it's gone around the world. It's not just a Western thing. It's all around the world. Mm. Um, and because it's status, status is a universally, necessary is part of the human condition it's part mm. of the, it's part of what we are as a, as a species so, yeah. so, so it's it's addictive yeah yeah i guess one of the uh, one of the main takeaways that i took because i'm as 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 i read stuff like this i'm always kind of interested like yeah that's cool kind of from a society level in terms of understanding stuff but is there something that i can do myself to kind of apply this knowledge in an interesting way yeah and i, I often think about status when it comes to um when it, when it comes to how I feel about like my own career and stuff, where like back, back in the day where my, my peer group was medical students and doctors, mm. there was a status game going on for who was getting the highest grades, who was the best looking, who was the like, best at sports, et cetera. Like, there were all these different kind of fields of status game being, being played. But because I was doing the, the, the YouTube stuff and business stuff at, at university, I'd sort of opted out of the, the status games that quote everyone else was playing. And was doing very well in this other thing, which to me, was, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm high status because I'm the only one who's doing yeah. this doing this business stuff. Um, 
And then over time, as you know, as I was working for two years as a doctor, I was one of the probably most successful YouTubers in that sphere. Very easy to win that status game. Now that I am not a doctor anymore, I'm like, shit. Like now the status game that I'm, I sort of find myself playing is with all of the other YouTubers. Yeah. Of which there are loads of them who are more successful than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm yeah. like, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> and so I find myself doing this weird thing where, or, or for example, where it, like I, I speak to a lot of startup founders and, the, and startup founders make like stupid amounts of money, even more stupid amounts than YouTubers make. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, oh, this guy is, you know, like, you know, having, a, having 2 million subscribers is cool, but this guy's got a hundred million pound business. What the hell? <laughs> um, and because the, the peer group, the comparison group has changed, the way that I personally feel about my own accomplishments and my own level of status is always kind of in flux based on who I'm speaking to and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but when I recognize this, I kind of take, take a step back, try to do that kind of Buddhist thing of like, no, hang on, this is just my brain going <laughs> wild because of the status stuff. I actually don't need to think this way. I can actually just try and focus on being grateful for what I have and trying to opt out of the status game as much as possible, knowing that it's never really going to be fully possible because we're all human at the end of the day, but it is at least something to aspire to, I think. What do you, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I think it's really valuable to understand the game that we're all playing, and then once you do, you can, yeah, you can you, you you can kind of think yourself, you can sort of foster more kind of healthy habits. Mm. I th I think in in that way, and yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, the, the, the game that you're playing now as a, as a YouTuber is hard. <laughs> you know, it's a tough one. And 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 but but as, as I said before, I, I I think the trick is is knowing that this isn't the the last game you're going to be playing. Yeah. This is going to... The stepping stone. Yeah, it's a stepping stone to who knows what. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I posted on Instagram asking if anyone has uh, questions for you. And so we have a bunch of... A bunch of questions that people have asked through through Twitter and through Instagram. So uh, Sarah Coey asks, how does status actually lead to longevity if it doesn't lead to happiness? I don't know she's getting some kind of link between status and longevity. Like well, there's a famous set of studies called the Whitehall studies. Oh, okay. um, uh, there's a guy called Dr. Michael Marmot, which looked at um, um, the civil, the British civil service, which is a huge, huge organization, very stratified. And what he found was that the higher you went up the hierarchy, the better your health outcomes mm. and the lower your mortality. Um, and, you know, and, and so you might think, okay, well, that's because the, the the richer you are, the more you're eating salad and having a personal trainer. Um, but that wasn't true. It was separate from from kind of lifestyle and all that stuff. And it, what he found was that that you know, if the person at the very top of that hierarchy smoked, mm. and the person one beneath that person also smoked, that one person beneath would be more likely to get sick as a result of their smoking than the one at the top. So so, so it was incredibly. The brain is incredibly. Um, 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 sensitive to, to our, our level of relative status where we, where we sit in our status mm -hmm. games of life. Um, and they found that this is true for men and for women. Um, uh, and the health differentials were, were, were really quite um, uh, extraordinary. Um, that, that they even found it in laboratory conditions with baboons. So, so, so they got these baboons, these poor bloody baboons in a lab, and they fed them a really terrible diet, like, you know, high calorie crisps or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Pretty delicious, but, but, you know, really bad for them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they found that the same thing was, was for, true for baboons as was in the civil service, which is that the lower you were down the hierarchy, the more likely they were to get sick as a result of their bad diets. And then they changed the hierarchy. They, I don't know how they did it, but they, they conspired to change the hierarchy of the baboon troop. And the health outcomes changed in lockstep so, so so that's just extraordinary evidence that, that marmot causes the status syndrome mm. that, that and so you know it's kind of speculative 
as to why that's true. But there's a field called social genomics, a quite a new field called social genomics. And social genomics is the science of how our social worlds impact the function of our genes. Yeah. And I interviewed a guy called Professor Steve Cole out in the University of California, who's an expert in social genomics. And, and, and he, he thinks it's to do with um, inflammation, mm. um, which you obviously know all about as a medic. Um, the, the idea that, 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 um, that if we're kind of lower on the, lower on the totem pole, the body's preparing you for attack and yeah. for trouble and for crisis. And we're not designed to be in information for a long period of time. Yeah. And we are designed to be in information for a short period of time. And if we, and, and, and it also changes our antiviral response. Mm. Um, so, 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 so that, that, that's what he thinks is, that's what they think is going on. So, 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 so I, I wouldn't, so, so it, I guess it wouldn't quite be true to say that having high status gets you longevity. It's probably more accurate to say that having high status protects you from, getting here i think it's kind of the same thing yeah but it's probably slightly more accurate okay. to say it's not like nice. yeah it's not like a long life well it kind of is a long life though but it, it's, yeah. it's like a it's more of like a protective thing against against illness yeah yeah good stuff um we have a question from yeah jamie donnell i guess i guess we've sort of covered this um does everyone see status in the same way i might not see something as high status that another person does yeah no they don't yeah. they don't no, so so a classic example would be um cars you know mm. uh, if you're if you're a middle class person um, driving a shiny Audi or a shiny BMW or, you know, like a whatever, um, it's seen as a high status thing. But if you're above that in the social class system, an Aristo, that's seen as a low status thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 what, and, you know, I live in the country, the, 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 the proper poshies, they drive around a knackered old, yep. <laughs> um, you know, Land Rover covered in do dog hair yep. and mud. And, and they'll laxively look down. And it's the same as, you know, like you might get somebody who is in the wellness world, yeah. for example, um, who drives a battered old car. And, but that's their status symbol. That's, they're, they're showing the game that, I, that they're, they're using, you know, they're, 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 mm. they're you know, so, so, so no, we, we all play different status games and we all have different criteria for claiming status. And, you know, yeah, I grew up with a, not grew up, when, when I left home, when I was working in the record shop, I lived with a monowite, in a kind of, I was a lodger and, and another guy living in the house was Tim. The hip, he was a hippie okay. and he was in a very, so he was very anti-materialistic yeah. and in his head, he wasn't playing the status game because he didn't care about possessions and all yeah. that stuff. But of course he was, it's yeah. just, that's his, that's his way of, that's his criteria for claiming status, looking down his nose at people who wanted to buy a big telly. You know? <laughs> his small telly was his status symbol. <laughs> um, nice. <clears throat> so we've got a question from King2 underscore cool, who says, how are children attracted to status as they grow up? Ah, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, well, um, they, 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 it's almost immediate. And so I mentioned Bruce Hood earlier, who was the guy that got me thinking about this in the first place. And he's published a very interesting book called Possession, which yeah. is about the psychology of possessions. And he writes about um, kids who uh, fight over toys. And so, so, so you know, um, to toys as, as a status symbol, the reason they want the toy um, is, is, is not because they want the toy. Mm. It's because who has the toys on top? So, so, so that's that, that's how it kind of, that, that's the kind of uh, one example of a very early manifestation of the status game in kids, and and so, and so you know during childhood those are the kinds of basic games we're playing, and you know we're demanding status, we're crying and you know getting upset when we don't get the toy, um, and and then what happens in a, in early adolescence is our brains begin to change in a very specific way, and and they, and, and they change such that we become much more interested in social status in the sense of what our peer groups think of us it's much it's much less about what we've got i want i want i want yeah. it's much more about what do other people think about me yeah. and so that's why you know teenagers are this really weird combination of like, risk takers mm. that drive too fast 
And historically, they would smoke and drink, but I think mm. the current generation didn't do yeah. that quite so much. We did. Um, you know, risk takers, but they're also really like self-conscious and get really embarrassed That's just because they're highly, highly attuned to status. So yeah. the risk-taking is all about look at me and the, and the, and the high self-consciousness is all about is, is, is just that huge sudden awareness that you're being judged by everybody that's mm -hmm. looking at you. And that's because the brain is suddenly changed and it's making you, it's kind of making you an adult. Yeah. You know, it, it, you're, 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 you're playing adult status games. Yeah. And that's why peer group is so important. You know why, that's why parents have this, have this experience of losing their children in adolescence. Mm -hmm. They become other people. And the peer group becomes much more important than the childhood, than the parents, because the peer group is, the, is, is a status game. It's the first proper status game that they play. And I guess that need for that, that that profound sensitivity to status, I guess that mellows out a bit as we get older. Yeah, we, 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 that, that's a really interesting question. Uh, um, so we, we, we're definitely highly attuned to that stuff in adolescence, you know, acutely attuned, mm. and we definitely mellow out. Um, I couldn't, I'm sure there might be data out there, but I didn't come across any data that looked at our need for status across the lifespan. Mm. Um, uh, the reason I was interested in that, apart from adolescence, when there, there's lots of work about how our brains change in adolescence, which maps onto the status game idea. The, the reason I was interested in it is because it seems to me that when we hit 60, 70, we do become a lot less interested in status. Yeah. And I think possibly a lot happier yeah. uh, as a result, you know, um, uh, but, but I couldn't find, I was interested in, in, in the science of retirement, mm. like what happens, are we happier in retirement or not? Um, but it's really mixed. It's really mixed. Um, um, psychologically, some people are happier, some people aren't. And, and, and a lot of it depends on whether they chose to retire or not. Mm. But I couldn't find any clear signal in, in that. But I, I, so, so I don't know the answer to the question but i i have a strong suspicion that our, our need for status kind of is very high in our teens and 20s um maybe kind of plateaus uh, I, I kind of hope it yeah. starts going down <laughs> 50s 60s 70s i yeah. really hope it does because it's exhausting <laughs> I, I wonder is the is evolutionarily is the pursuit of status like a sort of survival reproduction type thing yeah it's completely connected to survival and reproduction yeah. because it's um in in the groups in which we evolved the more status you you got yeah the the the, the more food you got the better food you got the safer mm -hmm. your sleeping sites the greater your choice of access to your choice of mates um the 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 the, the better your children were looked after so it's it's, it's deeply deeply implicated in survival and reproduction mm -hmm. basically the more status we got the better able we were to survive and reproduce. So, so that's why it's this very basic heuristic in the brain, go for status. Yeah. Because if you go for status, everything else gets better. And that's why it's so fundamental. That's why it's such an obsession because it is a, it's a proxy for survival and reproduction. Nice. So we've got um, a Maximil Exan who asks, is virtue signaling disingenuous? No, virtue signaling, everybody has virtue signaling. Mm. We all do virtue signaling. We all do success signaling. We all do dominant signaling yeah. you know, when, when we're cross with somebody, you know. So, 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 so no, it's not. It's, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things like echo chambers. So we've got a new like, fashionable phrase with something that's always existed. Um, you know, echo chambers, we always group, yeah. you know, have group, groups of like-minded people who see the world in similar ways and sort of clump together mm. with people who share our story of the world. And, you know, we would, there wouldn't be virtue without virtue signaling, because if you don't signal it, you don't get the rewards of the virtue, which is yeah. people thinking you're a good person. Yeah, I suppose even like saying please and thank you is virtual signaling 1.0. Yeah. <laughs> like, and complaining about virtue yeah. signaling is virtue signaling. Well, yeah, quite. Yeah, so, 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 so it's a silly thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Uh, we've got a, qu a question from Ella Louise. Oh, interesting. Um, how would you recommend dealing with someone who tries to humiliate you in the workplace 
without turning to gossip to make yourself feel better, specifically when they're a manager who would therefore have higher status than you do? This is a question that sounds like it's got some... Uh, yeah, maybe she's <laughs> some got some backstory <laughs> yeah. to it. Um, wonder what Ella's been going through. <laughs> yes. Well, that's really hard. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think I think if somebody is humiliating you in the workplace, that they, 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 you should never humiliate people. Mm. You know, it's an awful thing to do. And it's also completely counterproductive because when you humiliate people, you make an enemy. And, and you, don't, you, know, you don't want to go through life making enemies. Uh, how do you deal with it? Uh, you know, in my experience, um, people like that... Um, the, the, if you find you're not getting on with them, what you generally find is that other people don't like them either. And uh, and if you kind of just tap that a bit, you'll find out that other people don't like them. Uh, how do you deal with it without without without, without gossiping? Is really hard because gossip is, is 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 another one of those things that has a bad rep. Yeah. It's like but, a social tool, isn't it? But it is. It's yeah. universal. It's, it's yeah. how societies function. So, um, you know. If, if you were to take that completely literally, you, you would say you can't tell anybody about it ever. Which, which you, you're not going to fix it. The only way you can fix it is by, I mean, so, so the way to fix it would be going up to that person and actually sitting down with them and saying, look, I'm, fi- you're, you, I'm finding it humiliating the way that you're talking to me. And if that doesn't work, uh, I, I would just, you, you know, you'd yeah. ha- you have to sort of report them because you, you, can't, you can't go through your work, work you, your professional life being humiliated it's 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 it's, a, it's an awful thing to be put through there's no excuse for it i don't think yeah yeah and i think like spe- speaking to that point that like everyone wants to be the good guy in their own life story if i as a manager if i have, have one of my team members come up to me and say that my actions have made them feel humiliated there is no way that can make me feel like a good guy so i'm like oh my god i need yes. to change something yes like, and i find it, anytime i've been in that position that has been what's happened um, yeah when it's when i've been speaking to a manager or, or things or things like that so uh, I, yeah, I think often there's just a case of open and honest communication, and, yeah. and 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 we hope that people have sufficient like goodwill and like niceness and stuff too. Actually, that's right. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. It's that sincerity. One of the um, best things a boss ever said to me um, was when I was when I was a features editor, so I was kind of had a management position. Yeah. He took me to one side and he said, "Keep the emotion out of it. You know, you can talk to people and tell people things are wrong, mm. but you, you just get too emotional. And when you get emotional, people get upset." And I, I thought it was such great advice. Like I was so thankful that he told me that. And, and, and so I think when you are having those difficult conversations at work, keep the emotion out of it. So if you would go to that boss and say, mm. "You know, when you treat me like this, I feel really humiliated," but you don't, you're not angry. Yeah. You don't, you don't confront them in mm. that way. If, if you're calm and not emotional about it, I think that it's got a much greater chance of having success because then they're not feeling like it's a dominance yeah. sort of based status challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Viftonogonen asks, can you trick yourself into looking more positively at yourself by implying online that you have a lot? I guess like fronting online to feel better about yourself. <laughs> um, hmm. Sorry, can you, say, can you say that again? Yeah, can you, I, I, I guess the question is, can, can you trick your brain into having higher self-esteem by oh. kind of implying on the internet that you have a lot, a lot of I don't think it's a, a good things. idea. Yeah. I think that's a bad idea because you've got to feel authentic. I mean, there's the whole history of the self-esteem movement um, in in America where, and it came out and it went all across the West mm. and much of the world really. And that was this idea, I wrote about it in my book, Selfie, that if you if you do that, if you, if you love yourself and boost yourself and tell, 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 tell the world you're amazing, you'll just become amazing and everybody will believe it and, and it'll be fantastic. And it isn't true. Like that, that's, 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 that's a, 
that's a one-way street to narcissism. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, 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 you, if you want to get status that's not actually connected to anything real, that's what narcissists do. They just say, I'm, I deserve high status and you will treat me as high status. And that is that. Mm. And people don't like those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like we're, we're very yeah. attuned to overt displays of status. Yeah. We, we don't like it at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is why yeah. I guess this whole like industry of like signaling status without signaling status yeah. has sprung up because no one's actually going to tolerate me like I am high status. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just a bunch of rapid fire questions yeah, that okay. we always end up yeah. in, the, in the podcast with. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Stop worrying about everything. Nice. Yeah. Who's had the biggest influence on your career? The biggest, I would say the biggest impact on my career mm. would be my agent. And it's a boring answer, but my agent will. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I mean, having a good agent just is a transformative for, for your, for my, it's been my, for my career, yeah. What's yeah. Uh, one tip for someone looking for success? Just competence, you know. Well, it's, it's that, that sincerity in the competence. I, I think it's competence, but it's also understanding that, that, that I, I think one of the things that I, I learned being a features editor was... Um, you know, when I came to work at Arena, mm. um, I, I wanted to bring all these great writers from Loaded and, and, and start using them because they were great writers. Yeah. But they were just obnoxious. Right. And, and you know, so, and so no matter how, they, so they, they did really good work, but they just made my life miserable because yeah. they were just so obnoxious. Um, like one guy submitted an interview with Ant and Deck with no punctuation in it. Like what a dick move! <laughs> like, like so, 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 like, so, 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 and that taught me a lesson was that you could be unbelievably good at your job, yeah. but if you're a dick, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. So, so, so yeah, so, so, be good, but yeah. be a dick. No, yeah. I guess like competence, warmth, sincerity. Sincerity, yeah, nice. yeah. Um, what does the first hour of your day look like? So the first hour of my day, I've got like a secret Twitter. Ooh. I've got a, a, I've got a Twitter that I use. To, for, to, to promote things yeah. and I've got a secret Twitter which is locked down in an egghead who, which is the people who I actually want to read their tweets there's not many people on it but I spend <laughs> the first hour a day going, like reading like my real like personal oh. my personal Twitter with, with some coffee yeah yeah um, what uh, material item could you not live without I tell you what one is I can't live without yeah there's a hot a hot chocolate maker because I don't drink alcohol anymore oh, okay. um, there's a there's a hot chocolate maker there's a company called Noops okay. K-N-O-O-P-S right. they do unbelievable hot chocolate like it will blow your mind okay. and they sell this hot chocolate machine that yeah. makes these hot chocolates at home cost about 80 quid I couldn't live without that sick yeah yeah they're, they're incredible yeah <laughs> okay, they, they make the oh, it's just unbelievable <laughs> I, I, I didn't know hot chocolate machines existed yeah yeah it it, it, it you, you put these like it, the, 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 you, it's not like powder. It's mm. like um little pellets of chocolate, and it heats the it, it heats the milk and whisks it at one at the same time. Yeah. Unbelievable. Love it. <laughs> um, what books? Uh, well, what book other than your own would you recommend to anyone? Would I recommend to anyone? Mm. Um, so I really like this book. Um, you could do anything you with your life. Oh, Raoul Moat by a guy called Andrew Hankinson. So he, I really like Andrew. He's um. He's a very, very creative nonfiction writer, so very experimental. And, and so th this book, he, he managed to get access to all, Raoul Moat was a spree killer. Mm. Um, he managed to get access to all his kind of personal documents and he, and he sort of recreated his life story just using his kind of personal documents, his kind of psychiatric reports and yeah. all this stuff. So it's, it's a really fa fabulous book. So I'd recommend that to anybody. Nice, love it. Um, what quote or mantra do you live by? Oh, that's a really good question. The quote or mantra I live by is, you could never expect a hundred percent life if you get a fifty-one. You've won. No day. You can never expect a hundred percent day if you get a fifty-one. You've won. Charles Bukowski said that. I think that's a really good. It's a good way to live your life. If you get a fifty-one, you've won. Nice. Yeah. Love it. And finally, journey or destination? J 
journey every time nice love it well thank you so much for coming on um links to all of the books and your socials and all the things will be in the video description or in the show notes wherever people are watching this guys check out the book it's very good on audiobook uh, on on audiobook um this looks quite intimidating in real life but it's on on, on audiobook i promise it's not <laughs> and it's, it's it's genuinely very interesting so thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me ali it's been a great conversation great. thank you all righty all right, so that's it for this week's episode of Deep Dive. Thank you so much for watching or listening. All the links and resources that we mentioned in the podcast are going to be linked down in the video description or in the show notes, depending on where you're watching or listening to this. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform, then do please leave us a review on the iTunes store. It really helps other people discover the podcast. Or if you're watching this in full HD or 4K on YouTube, then you can leave a comment down below and ask any questions or any insights or any thoughts about the episode. That would be awesome. And if you enjoyed this episode, you might like to check out this episode here as well, which links in with some of the stuff that we talked about in the episode. So thanks for watching. Uh, do hit the subscribe button if you aren't already, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.